Well, every now and then I run into someone I've spent a great deal of time with explaining the Christian faith. And we get to a point where they need to make a decision, and they go, yeah, I'm not ready to do that. And it's like, well, why not? And it's like, well, because I'm not good enough. I mean, I don't want to be a liar. I mean, I know the Bible says a lot of things for us to do about loving others and gives us clear commands on things, and I'm not strong enough to do that, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I go, oh, and they go, I don't want you to think I'm a hypocrite. And I go, I won't, but I do think you're ignorant. And they go, oh, good. Well, that's even better. I go, you're completely unaware of one of the best parts of the gospel, and that is the good news that Jesus told his disciples. This is point A in your outline that's inside your bulletin. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. Jesus told the disciples, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And so I share that passage with people and I go, Jesus doesn't come to us and say, hey, I'll forgive you for all your sins. Now, don't mess up. Good luck. That would be horrible. If I wasn't able to straighten out my life before, why would I be able to straighten it out now? But that's not the deal. When we surrender our lives to the Lord, not only does uh, the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all sin, but Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be in you and he will change you. He'll make you into brand new people. He'll empower you to become the person you could never be on your own. Now, if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ not only died on the cross for our sins, but the Holy Spirit lives in us and changes us into new people. Now, there are a couple of things that follow from this little paragraph I just read. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person to be known not a force to be controlled. We went over this in depth last week, but I just wanted to remind us of these three points real quickly because they're important when we were talking about the work of the Holy Spirit today, what he's doing in our lives. He's a person, not a force. He's a he, not an it. This isn't Star Wars where if I've got the power, I can grab my coffee cup from across the room, okay? That's not what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't come to give us superpowers, The Holy Spirit is in our lives to conform us into the image of Christ, to empower us to be the people God has always, that God made us to be, that we always wanted to be, better than we thought we could ever be. He changes us. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit lives in me when I give my life to the Lord. Now today I want to talk about how he does that. These are, I'm pointing out six things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives that are clear from Scripture. There are more. This is all I had time for today. But I want us to know that God did not just, God doesn't just expect us to figure this out on our own. In fact, as you'll see as we go through this today, he's working in us and he's doing more in our lives than we ever thought or could have dreamt or even hoped for. Way more than we deserve because he loves us so much. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that today you will bring us great encouragement. You do not expect us to live the Christian life on our own. You know we are sinners. That's why you came to die for us on the cross. You know how weak we are. That's why you sent the Holy Spirit to give us power. You know we're ignorant and don't know where we're going, and that's why you give us the Holy Spirit to give us guidance. 
And so I pray, Lord, today that you will speak through the Holy Spirit, through me, through your word, and that we'll leave here today encouraged and more dependent on you. I pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ our Lord. Move me out of the way, Lord. Say whatever you want to say. Amen. Point B. Yeah, there was somebody. That was, I love that. It's a little child that went, amen. All right, we're good here. Okay, so point B, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. This is the great secret to the Christian faith that oftentimes we miss. Sometimes people think the Bible's just a bunch of rules. Far from it. It's a relationship. Uh, the Bible tells us God wants a relationship with us. So first of all, he wants to know the way we get into a relationship with the Lord is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Jesus told his disciples this. I mean, now remember, he was sending out disciples. These had been fishermen, ordinary guys, you know, just from every interesting, ordinary walk of life that he had brought around him. And he said, I'm going to ask you guys to go make disciples of the whole world. And they're going, well, how are we going to do that? And Jesus said, well, you're gonna, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And it's actually good for you that I go, because then you get the Holy Spirit. Now, these guys have been walking with Jesus for three, three and a half years, watching him do all kinds of miracles, seeing people raised from the dead, hanging out with Jesus, hearing him talk out loud. And they're going, well, Jesus, you're leaving. And they're all sad. And he goes, yeah, this is better. Better than hanging with Jesus? What's better than that? And Jesus said, well, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, you're going to make disciples of your own. Well, how's that going to happen? How are we going to go out and proclaim the gospel? Well, you don't need to worry because when you go out, when I send you out, the Holy Spirit will empower you and he will convict people of sin. He will. Listen to what he says. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. I mean, so when people, ordinary fishermen like Peter, when they proclaim the gospel, people would repent. When he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin. You don't have to do that. And of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There will be judgment on the devil. There will be a judgment day one day. And when you go out and tell people the good news that I died on the cross for their sins so they can stand before, they don't have to worry about standing before judgment with guilt hanging over their head. Their, their sins have been paid in full. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will fall on them and they're going to want that. That's why you, you and I should never quit praying for relatives who don't know the Lord. It's why we shouldn't be afraid to tell them that Jesus loves them. We shouldn't be able to be afraid to tell them that they need to repent of their sins and come to Christ and he'll forgive them no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. We don't ever need to be afraid of that. But, but what if they don't believe me? Well, that's up to the Holy Spirit to convict them, not you and me. It's what gives me great confidence to stand in front of you on, on Sunday mornings. I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will speak and do his work. I'm in a lot of situations where people go, uh, good luck talking to that boy. His head is as thick as a rock. I mean, he's not going to listen to anything. And then sometimes just one paragraph of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit grabs him. I've seen him do it. A life application for you and me, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we need to repent immediately. If you're listening to the sound of my voice via video at one of our sites or watching this sometime in the future from our website, I want you to know that if the Lord is calling you to repent, you need to do so today. The Apostle Paul said, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I used those verses to open up a funeral service in Lounsboro a couple of years ago. 
The man died there. He ran a timber company. This guy was as strong as a horse. In fact, if you'd have made a list of 100 people and he was one of your friends and you said, who is likely to die this week? He would not be in the top five. He would have been probably number 100. He was going to work one day in his truck and it was a downpour and his truck hydroplaned off the road and he died in a car accident. The whole town of Lounsboro showed up at his funeral. It was such a shock. And we started out with this passage right here. Just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. The right time is now. So many times the Lord is convicting us of sin and we say, I'll wait. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it later in my life. How long do you have? People will come to me and they'll say, I want you to do my funeral for me. And I go, well, fine, but do you know I'm going to still be alive? I don't get memos on that. I don't, and neither do you. That's why if the Lord is convicting us of sin today, today is the day of salvation. Come to him. Think how that comforted the disciples. I want you to go and make disciples. Well, Lord, how are they going to get convicted of sin? The Holy Spirit will be in you, and he will energize your words. You don't worry. You just proclaim the truth. You'll see. Secondly, the Holy Spirit transforms us and gives us new life. Well, then what do we tell the people? We tell them how I started out on here, but okay, so Jesus forgives me my sin, then what? Well, then what's so great is the Holy Spirit will transform you into a whole new person. Jesus, on the work of the Holy Spirit again, John 3, uh, a religious leader, a man named Nicodemus, who had been a part of uh, a leader in the Jewish faith his whole adult life, came to Christ and he said, look, Jesus, we see you doing all these miracles. We know God must be doing something through you, but how'd you do it? I mean, what's your secret? And here's what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but God, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I mean, think about even the picture you have when people get baptized. And they're placed beneath the water. Their sins are washed away and they're made clean. They've died to their own way of life. And then they live fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit working in them. The baptism of water on the outside pictures the transformation that's happening on the inside. Don't ever miss that. We don't come to Christ and then try to figure it out. We come to Christ because we can't figure it out. I don't come to Christ because I deserve heaven. I come to Christ because I'm a helpless sinner. God, forgive my sin and change me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And Paul said, that's why we go everywhere and tell people about Jesus. You can get a brand new life. He takes your sins, you take his righteousness. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. Get a better deal than that. So how does that apply to you and me? Paul said, well, throw off your old sinful nature. This is Ephesians 4.22 and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And in that margin below there, just write the word cooperate. You know what the Holy Spirit wants in our lives? You know what God wants? God loves us so much. He just wants us to love him back. Cooperate. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let him change you. Because here's what you'll find when you start walking with the Spirit. He will 
bring things to your mind. It's like a supercharge to your conscience. And all of a sudden now he's guiding you into new areas that you never thought about before. Oh, I don't need this. I want that. All of a sudden we have a desire to read the Bible. We never had a desire before. All of a sudden now I'm aware of the needs of homeless people or that somebody needs to speak up and take care of orphans. All of a sudden, I'm aware of these things. Where'd that all come from? Well, that's the Holy Spirit awakening me to things that I never thought of on my own because I was always just consumed with myself. Embrace that. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, and by the way, if you're in doubt with, well, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Well, that's why we have Christian brothers and sisters. We can pray together and talk and get counsel and help each other. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit, if you open your outline up, the Holy Spirit empowers us. I mean, again, go and make disciples of the whole world by people who've just been following Jesus. Well, Jesus, you're the one who made disciples of us. Jesus, you're the one who does all the miracles. Jesus, you're the one who does all the amazing teaching. How are we going to do that? Oh, don't worry about it. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Lord, we can't do this. No, not on your own, you can't. But the Holy Spirit will be in you. He'll empower you. A few months later, here's Peter. The Lord does an amazing miracle. A crippled man is healed. When Peter extends his hand, he pulls him to his feet. A crippled man can walk. The whole, all of Jerusalem is set astir by this. This amazing miracle has been done by a fisherman. And he did it all in the name of Jesus. It was a miracle just like Jesus used to do. The one who was crucified. And so the religious leaders who had crucified Jesus didn't want this to spread. They arrested Peter and John. They brought him, they questioned him and told him, hey, quit talking about Jesus. Why are you talking about him? We crucified him. And listen to Peter's response. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this crippled man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Where I have that little ellipsis there, he said, there's no other name by which men can be saved. And we're not backing down from that. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were amazed. Why were they amazed? Here's Peter a few months earlier, the night when Jesus is arrested. This is early in the morning. Jesus is at the home of one of the religious leaders. Peter's out in the courtyard warming himself by a fire. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. This is from Matthew 26. And a servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later on, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it. And this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little time later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. Two, three months have passed. The guy who's afraid of servant girls in front of a fire 
and is afraid to be identified with Jesus, is now standing in front of the very same people who sentenced Jesus to death saying, do your worst. Where do you get the boldness? Where do you get the power? Where do you get the courage? The Holy Spirit. Where are you and I going to get boldness and power and courage? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Would you say that with me, please? The Holy Spirit empowers us. And Jesus said, this is better that I go away. I don't want you to be people just watch me. You can play. You can participate in this. The Holy Spirit will work in you and through you. You'll be extensions of God's work in this world. Paul said it's like being a part of his body. And that brings us to the next point. Or let me even do a life application on this. Our personal inadequacies should not discourage us from following Jesus. Don't ever think that you're not fit to follow Jesus because you've got too much junk in the trunk. You've got too much baggage in your life. You're not fit. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I didn't have enough education. Came from the wrong side of the tracks. I don't look like everybody else. Whatever it is. Paul, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I mean, the Holy Spirit moves in us. And Paul says, I'm just praying that God will give you the power to do everything the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do. Don't be afraid. God will give you, this, give you the power. He's the one who convicted you of sin. He's the one who transforms you. He'll empower you. Point four, he'll also equip you for ministry. If he calls you to do something, he'll give you the equipment that you need. He will. If you need courage, he'll give you that. If you need a skill, he'll do that. If you need certain abilities, he'll do that. In the Old Testament, we see this happening when the Israelites were on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. They had to move through the wilderness, and God had commanded them to build a portable temple. These were all a bunch of people who had been in slavery for hundreds of years. And yet, God gave Moses these incredibly intricate plans involving um, all kinds of ornate furniture, all kinds of lampstands, a sacred chest to keep the Ten Commandment tablets in, altars, incense burners, all kinds of uh, animal hides that needed to be tanned, and all kinds of directions on how to build this tent called the tabernacle, this portable temple. How are they going to get it done? And then God revealed to him that he would place his spirit on a couple of men so they'd know how to do it all, and not only that, but to teach others. Here's Moses explaining this, Exodus 35. The Lord has chosen a man named Bezalel, and he's filled him with the spirit of God. He's also given another man, he's given both him and Aholiab, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, and weavers. God commanded them to do this, and he gave them the skill to get it done. In the New Testament, we find the same thing happening, Paul says, with the church. So everywhere these disciples went, remember you're going to make disciples to the ends of the earth? They've never been to the ends of the earth. How's that going to happen? Well, everywhere you go and you start up a cluster of people, the Holy Spirit will be there in their lives too. And he's going to equip people with the necessary skills. So in each city, when you have a group of people there, or each area, whenever you start a little church, what will happen is the Holy Spirit will be there, and he'll bring the gifts necessary to get the work done. I'm only going to touch on it today. We're going to spend a whole week on this next week to unpack it more. But you need to understand 
what I'm trying to remind us of today is that we can do this with confidence. God has given each of you a gift for his great variety of spiritual gifts. This is Peter talking about this. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, then do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So the life application there is God will provide the spiritual gifts we need to make our church healthy and strong. John, how do you know when we start this church here? How do you know when we start extensions to this church? How, how do you know the right people will be brought there? Well, because the Holy Spirit's going to do it. The same Holy Spirit that empowers us to teach is the same Holy Spirit that will bring the gifts necessary to get the work done. We're ordaining a young man named Tyler Woodham today at our Montgomery location. They meet on the other side of Montgomery. Right now, the service that's happening right now, he's being ordained. And if you knew Tyler, his dad, Randy Woodham, used to be a, a pastor here in the Prattville area. Tyler is a young man... God's call and gifting on his life is impossible to miss. And the great thing is, is Tyler understands that, that God has not only called him and gifted him for ministry, it's so that he can train others. Kind of like Bezalel and Aholiab were not only gifted to get the work done, but how to teach others. Listen to what um, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It's why we want you to volunteer. It's why we want you to find a place to serve. It's why we want you to exercise the gift God gives you. When, if we did all the ministry for you, then you could watch us do ministry, but that's not the point. The point for our staff and for the leaders of our church is to equip everybody to do ministry. So we all play. So we all play. Because God wants to work in your life, my life, in all of our lives. And some of you, as you have stepped up into leadership, you've seen God change you as you step out in faith and encourage and you volunteered for something or you've answered the Holy Spirit's leading and prompting your life. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my goodness. I have a whole new understanding of who God is. I've experienced his power and his love and his wisdom flowing through me. I'm actually teaching people through this now. Yes. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He transforms us. He empowers us. He equips us. And number five, the Holy Spirit guides us, teaches us. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit again, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. And he'll tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking forth his mind and making it known to you. But Lord, will we know enough? I don't know enough, Lord. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to make it known to you. And one of the key ways he does this is the life application here. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the writers of Scripture will help me understand and apply what they wrote. This is why we talk about all the time, the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And when people in our culture turn away from the teaching of the Bible, we turn away from our source of truth. We believe that God inspired the men who wrote the words in this book. He inspired them to write them. And when you and I, and so God inspired them to download their thoughts onto paper. When you and I read this, the same Holy Spirit will empower us to upload these truths into our minds and in our hearts. Again, I mean, I love this. As somebody who gets a chance to teach the Bible, I love seeing what God does with it. 
Because sometimes people come to me and go, you know, you taught a lesson six months ago, and they will quote exactly a passage that I said six months ago. And it's amazing to me. They go, I was there that day, and it's like, oh, it was exactly what I needed to hear, but I didn't know it then. I know it now. And so God had stored it for them, but he gave it to them in advance so it was ready to go when they needed it. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 here. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the writers will help me understand what they wrote. So if God's asking you to speak out, you can have confidence that when you read the Bible, you'll know enough. He'll make it known to you. And if you need courage, he'll give you the courage because he gives us boldness. And if you want direction, he'll show you which way to go. All we need to do is obey. If any of this is good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Please understand again, it's not, hey, I forgive your sin. Now go out there and try your best. You haven't been able to do this before, but good luck now. That's not the deal. Surrender your life to me. If you follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he'll make everything clear to you. And he'll actually use you to help others. Amazing. Now finally, one last point I'm going to bring out today is the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And I don't make a big enough deal of this. I mean, this last week, the Lord really convinced me of this. I should talk about this more often. So here you go. Hebrews 8, 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict us of sin and transform us, empower us, equip us, guide us, he prays for us. So when we're praying, he helps us pray, and then he prays for us when we don't even know what to pray for. There are times in our lives when we are going through too deep of grief, all we can do is cry. The pain is overwhelming. There are times when we are so frustrated, we don't even know what's happening. It all turns into one big ball. There are times when we are so lonely, we don't know where to turn. You can fill in whatever you want in that blank. When it's too overwhelming, I don't know what to do. Let me proclaim some good news. The Holy Spirit understands. And he can pray when I don't even know what to pray. And according to this scripture, when I don't know what to pray, and I'm so overwhelmed, I can go, Lord, you know my heart. I can't even put into words how terrible I feel right now. I'm so worried, so scared, so lonely, so in grief, so tired. Holy Spirit, intercede for me now. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit who lives in me will make petition on my behalf in the throne room of heaven itself. Where am I going to get a better deal than that? A life application. The Holy Spirit understands us and is our biggest advocate. There were the passage I started out with from John 14 a little earlier, and now from John 14, 26 here, Jesus says, but when the Father sends the advocate, if you could circle that word advocate, in the original Greek language, it's a word pronounced parakletos, 
It means one who pleads another's case. It's a counsel for the defense. It's an intercessor, a helper, and a comforter. All rolled into one. And this is why we can come to God when we don't even know what to pray because the Holy Spirit is on our side. And he'll make a case before the Father when I can't even plead my case. It's like being in a courtroom and you don't know what to say in court, but your lawyer does. How great is that? I told my kids this when they were in high school and going off to college. I told my sons, I go, I was a young man once too. You will do great things. But because you're a young man, you will also do stupid things. Okay? I know this. I was, I, I was one. When you do stupid things, I want you to call me and your mom. I want you to trust us. We are your biggest champions. We brought you into this world. We took you through all the diaper-changing mess. We helped you through braces. We helped you through girlfriends. Got your driver's license. We're paying a fortune for your education. Okay? We've sacrificed all these things for you. You're not going to have any better champions in the world. And you, you've got to know that we love you and we're for you. Now, if you understand that, multiply that by 10 billion and you understand what the Holy Spirit thinks about you and me. But John, you don't know what a screw-up I am. John, you don't know how many mistakes I've made. John, you don't know how inadequate I am. The Holy Spirit does. And he'll help us. He'll empower us. He'll encourage us. He'll even pray for us when we don't know what to pray for. This is why we don't need to be afraid to be Christians in this world. God wants us to be lights in the darkness. And this is where the power comes from to turn on the light. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We are not alone. We're not trying to live the Christian life alone. And this is good news. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the advocate. I thank you that you are for me, that you are in me, that you will guide me and empower me, that you are the one who convicts me of sin and then shows me the right way to go. I thank you, Lord, that you did not tell me now, I forgave you of your sins, now don't mess up ever again. Good luck. That's not the message. And God, forgive me for resisting you. Help me to cooperate with you. In a moment of silence, if the Lord has been convicting you of something and been pushing you towards something, we say, God, would you give me the strength to obey? Maybe to speak up for him. Maybe to reach out to somebody who's needy. Maybe to serve. Maybe to lead a small group. If the Lord has been pushing you to do something and you know it, say, Lord, I've heard you. Lord, I needed to hear this today. Give me the strength to do it. If you're going through a time of grief today, a time of hardship today, would you say, oh, Holy Spirit, would you intercede for me? I don't even know how to pray. My heart is so overwhelmed. And if the Lord is convicting you today, today is the day. Do not run from him. Come now. He has been kind to give you another opportunity. Do not delay. We thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you for the good news of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that 
You can empower us to be your hands and your feet in a world that desperately needs you. I pray, Lord, we'll embrace our role. We'll embrace you. We'll embrace the Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. If today the Lord spoke